Shut up and sit down. Let's go play on our bicycles. Beautiful people are listening to the Dial Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Tip of the day, an inch of time is an inch of gold, but you can't buy that inch of time with an inch of gold. So, get off your butt and make good use of your time, preferably on a bike. Did you mean for all those words to come out together, or did they just fall out randomly? Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering, and today I'm here with Evan Price. What's up, people? What are we drinking today? I I am drinking a, a yellow edition Red Bull. Every once in a while, probably once a month, I'm drinking a Red Bull, actually, during the podcast. Usually, it's only during workouts. I have no reason to be drinking a Red Bull right now. I'll just pretend like, like I'm doing a hard bike it's workout. It's like when after life this. gets really bad. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> turn, to the drink. Turn, turn to the Red Bull. <laughs> I've already blasted through all my uh, LaCroix for the day, so I'm oh, God, down so to my 40 ounces of water. Drinks now. just drinking water. Oh, Lance is having a margarita somewhere right now, or yeah, yeah I'm, something like I'm that. I'm drinking. I'm drinking Gatorade. Hold the alcohol. Gatorade Zero. <laughs> so, Evan, you didn't get the memo that you were supposed to redo your intro. Hold on. Time out. Here we go. One, two, three. Evan Romance. How's it going? <laughs> What's everybody oh drinking God. today? <laughs> that, was, that, was, I, that was what we practiced. Thank you for doing that over again. I have to redo. Okay, good. I have to redo my intro. I, it's probably time for a fresh new intro here anyway. No, it just that's good. Yeah. Evan Romance. How's it going? <laughs> What's everybody drinking today? Oh, it's terrible hearing your own voice. Oh, man. <laughs> I do not. You guys have to listen to that all the time. <laughs> On oh. Skype with us today, Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? I was muted. Oh. So there's that. Yeah. I'm, I'm drinking a, uh, I got Kirkland's here, former sponsor, and uh, I've got my own homebrew bubbly water. And uh, I feel like between the four of us, we are bubbly water connoisseurs very much so yeah, yes absolutely stock it's yes. out of it's out of control really we need <laughs> to seek help and finally coming to us on skype as well mr lance romance yes lance <laughs> no pants <laughs> lance you there bud yes Boo. i am here can you hear me barely yeah you're you're, um, you're like yeah. really far away I, I hear like ocean stuff what's going on dude <laughs> Yes, I'm sitting in a hammock on the beach in Hawaii. Um, you can all hate me now. If, if there's any crackly or terrible audio, it is my fault because I don't have a wired connection. I am in my AirPods with my cell phone, and we'll just kind of see how that goes because um, that's, that's, that's the way it goes. All right. Here I am. Well, well, since, you, since you got your own background music going right now, why don't you go ahead and backpedal for us? Um, 
I, I actually had a pretty great week already so far. Um, I put in almost uh, 17 hours, about 350 miles this last week. So the the overtraining continues in the uh, <laughs> in the Hepler household. So I'm, my streak is still intact, even though I had like a 10 hour travel day um, uh, on Friday. Um, I still managed to. Uh, I got up at like four. I got up at like three forty-five in the morning to make, and I rode on the train before I got on the plane. And then we got into Hawaii early enough and got my bike built that I was actually able to do another hour ride on the island once I got here. So it's been life is rough. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> I really can't complain. You said the Hepler household that that infers that you actually have a house. Do you still have a house? I, I don't I, I don't recall you being at a house any time in the last like I ride by it every once years. in a while. I I just wonder if somebody I, every time I drive by I assume that somebody else is living there now. I think it's Piper's house now. I think so. Yeah. I think it is. No, cuz Piper's even moved it, out now to wherever Lance is. Still home, yeah. but This is like this is like the first few days I've been without Piper um for the last year and a half. Um, she's been with us everywhere for the last year. Who's watching um, Piper right now? Um, my niece is staying at the house um, gotcha. for a few days and watching the dog until my daughter gets home. Okay. So. Cool. So yeah. Oh, poor Piper. Awesome, awesome. But yeah, um, the weather's been perfect here. Obviously in Hawaii, um, I I did one of my favorite rides here, which is called the Kohala Mountain Loop. It's in the northern part of the Big Island of Hawaii, up to Havi. There's this road called the Kohala Mountain Road. And it's actually an 11 mile climb, 3,500 feet, 11 miles. And um, That's I went into it um, without, I ran out of water before the start of the climb. So it didn't end up being a very good day for me. <laughs> I, uh, I fought some cramps up near the top, but I still managed to get through it all. And I'm, I don't want to brag too much. I'm loving it here. I just ride my bike. We, we, we drive somewhere to a beach. Um, my, my wife gets on the paddleboard. She heads out into the bay. Uh, I get on my bike and go ride for three or four hours. I come back and hang out at the beach and then she goes and rides. It's just, it's idyllic. It's been fantastic. And we're going to be here for a few more days. We don't come home until next Friday. Where so. are you going when you get home though? Back in the van? Um, <laughs> we, we actually have no plans, Wait, no what? travel plans when we get home. So... I'm not sure we'll stay home the whole time, but um, we'll just kind of. Do you want to do how a, it goes? Can I can I snag you for a Sunday ride? Yeah, that's possible. Okay, cool. Wow. Trying to do, trying to recruit people me, for a Sunday ride here soon. Do you need me to do some work for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm I'm on the Ian Gibson train of trying to get a little dialed group out to the Savi Shootout. That, oh, yeah, that could, could be, be fun. That could I think it'd be, fun, be a blast. Actually. I yeah. will join you yeah. if the weather is decent. I was going to say, Jake and Lance, uh, that that was my plan there, was to try and get as many people as we can. I've been getting poked by a few people telling me that some of my old uh, race buddies from the, the POA team, the POA team are, are, are basically throwing out some like little pokes saying, you need to get Jake out here. Tell Jake to come out here and race with us, yada, yada, yada. So We could literally make it a scrimmage. You know, you know, soccer teams do like a spring, like a like a pre pre yeah. spring scrimmage. We can make it a dial versus POA spring scrimmage. Yeah, it could could be. Yeah. So just in the oh, I would like that. Cool. Mm -hmm. Hey, Matt, you want to backpedal? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, I uh, backpedal. So uh, this week was 
I'd say standard. I got, um, I think three, three or four swims in, um, you know, not nothing crazy long or anything like that. Um, I kind of, I didn't run every day. I took two days off, um, you know, because my ankle has been bothering me like different spot on my ankle. Uh, I've been trying to find a good PT, but there's just, you know, there's just no good choices. It's just nobody in town. I don't even know yeah. what that means. You know, I do know a guy, and he actually works decently close to here. If I open up yeah. this door here, I think his space is right outside there. I can talk to him if you want me talk to. to. Yeah. yeah, see what we can figure that. See yeah. if we can figure that out. Uh, and then bike-wise, um, you know, I did do my favorite ride of the week. Really, now it's like that Tuesday team training ride. It's like so much fun. And uh, I did – I felt – I don't know why it was hard this week, but I – Got dropped early, basically, and I had to put in, you know, for me, a big effort, which was like, I don't know, four or five minutes at 300 watts to catch back onto the group. And That, that route was surprisingly tough, though, Matt. I was talking with Cassie about that, yeah, too. It, it was. was. It, it was a surprisingly tough route. It's even yeah, tougher and, when um, you have to stop to use the bathroom and all of a sudden you're two minutes behind everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This wasn't that. This was just like, oh, all of a sudden I'm, you know, 15 seconds back or something like that. And um, I was you know, had to put in a big effort to catch up, which I did. And uh, then I was spent after that. And then like very, fairly shortly after that, maybe 15 minutes later, um, the group started climbing and I was pretty toast and I popped off the back of the group. And uh, that was that. Um, But it's still super fun. I mean, I just kind of, I think I kind of take those Tuesday evenings as, you know, kind of a, an effort. Um, You know, really the only, I'd say real bike workout that I do each week that's, I don't, it's not really structured at all, but like, it's, you know, um, it's something that I know that I'll go hard on. And then I went outside on Saturday because I was testing more watches and I needed to do another mock triathlon. Um, this time the good news was that I didn't have to do the bucket challenge. I just, uh, walked around a little bit to simulate open water. I had already swam that day. So I did do a triathlon for the day. Um, but, uh, went out for road ride. I just did stuff by myself and did my like normal neighborhood cruise type stuff. And it was nice. And, uh, and then the run along the lake that I usually do every Sunday was gorgeous as usual. Ran with Ethan and, uh, he wants to build up to doing an 11 miler, like before he's 11 years old. Let's go. I I feel like that might be a little long for an 11 year old. I know I didn't run that far when I was his age, so. Yeah, but know. he's but he's good at running, Matt. You were you were That's you true. know I mean good point. yeah you tried. You know. I gave a solid effort. You did. Point. Yeah. It's like dad, yeah. dad, hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like what was your longest run, Dad? Before you were twelve. Okay, I'll do one more mile than that. <laughs> yeah, could be. That could be it. That's so, yeah, awesome. We'll though. see if he does it. Is cool. he is he is he enjoying it, Matt? Is he having fun? You know, it depends on the day. Like this this run, all he did was just like throw some headphones on it. I mean, like he he's like. Yes. I mean, I asked him if he wants to run. He says yes. And so um, he's enjoying it. But at the same time, he just like threw headphones in. You know what he was doing? It was like listening to The Office, some Office episode. He does this now where he just <laughs> listens to it and doesn't even watch it because he has all of the episodes memorized. He can visualize and, uh, it in his head. Yeah. And he can just, yeah, he can just, you know, listen to it and laugh. That is really funny. That's really funny. I listen to a different podcast and he... Uh-huh. Um, and so we're running together, but listening to different things. So that's a little disappointing, but whatever. He's a teenager now. <laughs> you're not cool anymore, man. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm you're, so far from cool. Well, you're not cool. Yep. Awesome. Anything else? That's it. Awesome. Mr. Evan, 
I had a, I actually, th- this is the first week in a few weeks I have something to talk about in the backpedal. Usually it's just been like, oh, and I rode indoors and then ran outdoors a couple times and that's about it. But uh, this time on Tuesday, I jumped into the ride late. I'm really starting to realize that I think I ruined that, that ride. And it's only because when I jump in, you guys are already like 20 miles into the ride. So I'm like that guy that like jumps in right before the climb, decides to warm his legs up, really throws off the rhythm of the ride. But this time, I really decided to try and follow the rules until the end. And I'll blame Lance. I really think it was Lance's fault. Lance, every single time we like kind of come to bumps, likes to accelerate. And I'm not sure if he's just like stretching his legs out. It's really hard virtually to tell what somebody's doing. So I'm going to blame Lance for that. Well, if you were on fair? Discord, uh, I, I had myself on video the whole time I was riding. So you oh, can tell if I was actually stretching or not. You can put yourself on video on Discord? Yeah. Oh, I need to start doing that. Okay. Okay, I'll do. I I won't so be able can, to make tomorrow's, but I'll but I'll do it. I'll do that in the future. Cool. But, but yeah. Anyway, um, went through the week. Kind of tried to t- treat it as like a pseudo taper, but still put in some good work. And um, Sunday, we were doing um the Whisper Running Group put on an absolutely awesome uh socially distanced uh five k, ten k, fifteen k race out in Battleground. Um, funny thing, it was actually right next to our, uh, uh, other proactive clinic actually out in battlegrounds. We, I parked right next to it. So it was an area I'd actually seen before and kind of knew that it was going to be a little bit of a hilly course. Parts of battleground can be very beautiful and rolling Hills, but that's not the type of 10 K course I usually like to run on. So, um, it was me and Josh both jumped into the 10 K race. Elijah Engstrom did the 5 K Maddie Wick did the 5K virtually, and then um, uh, Cassie and our roommate Melissa Gomez did the 15K, which was awesome. Uh, Cassie crushed the 15K. She averaged 8.30 pace for the 15K, which was really, really good. It was like almost 45 seconds faster per mile than she was predicting she was going to go. Wow. Nice work, Cassie. So she had one heck of a day, yeah. And then um, Josh PR'd his 10K by like 45 seconds or some, something, like close to a minute. Uh, and dipped under 34, which was great. And then Elijah had a pretty strong 5K. I think he told me his watch had him at like 17.45, 17.50, which is great work for him too. He went out bold in 5.20 pace. So it's, it's a real high school move there. But Elijah's with, a tough yeah, that's kid. that's just standard stuff. When Elijah's they, a very so tough kid. with you at that point or No, no, everybody started at completely. So it started everybody in 30-second oh, yeah. intervals. So it oh, was yeah. really a so you were it was a fully solo TT. Every everybody was doing basically their own little time trial, um, which made it interesting because you know you you kind of got to get into your own zone. You didn't have to do any race tactics, but I kind of would have loved some some race tactics. That that's for sure. Uh, Josh and I actually went off first. The 10K people went off uh, in the first group. So Josh was, I think, like started a minute behind me, and um, I ended up getting the what I think is the official course record now in thirty two fourteen, or thirty two seventeen. I think is what they had me on course. My watch had me at thirty two fourteen. But yeah, yeah, that should be the course record. I'm, I mean, unless some sort of collegiate guy shows up. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they were. Dave was telling me the the previous course record was like thirty three flat, and it was some guy who did it back in like two thousand twelve or thirteen. Some collegiate. So. Yeah, there's there are fast people. There was this club. There's two club guys that came over from Portland that I saw on Sunday. And Some Bowerman Evan, guys. Me, yeah, it's like the Jamba guys or Jamba boys. Have you ever heard of? this? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking of the Bowerman guy that was there. But yes, yes. There yeah. there was um. Oh, what it? Do you know who that is? No, I think it's Jacuzzi, isn't it? There it is. Jacuzzi. jacuzzi yeah. Boys. 
I was like, I have no, uh, they were, I mean, there's like three. It sounded vaguely familiar. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, but you could like, as soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, hey, what's up guys? You know, like you guys with a club or something. And they were like, yep. You know, and they told me the name and I was like, okay. It's not the Bowerman guys or no. whatever, but you could tell they were like elite runners, right? There's like the Jacuzzi, the Bowerman, and the Red Lizard clubs in Portland are all three yeah. very, very fast running clubs. Um, right. We need to make a fast Vancouver running club. Yeah. Called we could be the- The Vantucky J- runners. Jafluzzi boys. The, 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 yeah, I like that. No, we'll go with that. That's hard enough to say that nobody will be able to repeat it. So. Sure. But no, yeah, it was it was a good flash of fitness this weekend, and goes well into this next training block. So, I've yeah, got a that's a that was fast, significantly faster than I was expecting from you, right? I mean, like yeah. you asked me, and I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, you, you know, you were like, I'd like to go thirty-two low or something, you know, exactly yeah. what you did, and I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I know. Matt, Matt on Friday was like, that's a bad idea. You you need to go on five twenty. So I went out like five oh eight, five ten, and just <laughs> was yeah. trying to see if I could hang on. But I think I think usually what I'm starting to find, I think I found this two years ago when I did the Vancouver Lake Half, is when I taper for a run, I always run a bit faster than I think I'm going to because right. I actually have fresh legs for once, which is a good yeah. sign. That's the hard thing is like all your fast stuff, you're like, oh, well, I just finished racing on Strava and I'm coming out to the track and trying to run a fast 5K. And then you take those times and extrapolate them out. And then it's like, well, you shouldn't run under 33 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but then you race t- a little bit tapered and, you know, of course you do. So, yeah. So it's I tricky. think I've, I've got a long-term goal now trying to go under 31 before I die, whenever that is. So there you go. It'll be a lifetime goal now. Yep. Yeah. Five flat basic. Well, I mean, five flat doesn't yeah. quite cut it, but yeah. Yeah. It's like 455 pace. So we'll see. This is a running podcast, by the way. Exhilarating. <laughs> running takeover. I thought this was a swimming podcast. It is. It is. It's, it's, on swimming. it's a part-time swimming podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Is that it? Yep. All right. I uh, rode on Swift Monday through Friday and rode outside on Saturday and Sunday. Story over. The end. Pretty fun time. <laughs> Boom. There you go. <laughs> I did ride um, 62 miles with Sean and Nels Martin on Saturday. That was fun. And we had a new guy from uh, the team join us. It was his first little team ride with us. And that was fun. His name is Cole. Welcome to the team, Cole. And other than that, I rode the gravel bike yesterday, which was fun. It was sloppy out there and it was glorious. Had fun. Who is who is Cole? Cole is a new guy to the team. He is relatively new to cycling and mm-hmm. he did really well. Nice. It's scary because uh, we've got another guy that I think has a lot of potential. He's 23. And Young guy. He's yeah, he's tall, lean, um, and it's just soaking up everything he possibly can. Has been riding mostly by himself, getting I think between like ten and fourteen hours in a week for about the past six months. Holy crap! Yeah, Whew. he he cracked a little bit on the ride, but he did say that he um, he did a lot of climbing over in the West Hills the day before, um, and he just hadn't been riding with you know groups and you know for all intents and purposes he mm-hmm. did great. So should wow. be fun to watch him kind of develop over the course of time. Got a few other new people joining the team as well. We'll mm-hmm. be announcing those folks here pretty soon, and uh, it's going to be a fun year, I think, if we get to race. So, all right. I hope so, how about um, some of that that lead out news stuff? Is that that guy Champ Bailey top five? I think he's in the top five it's discussion. Champ- I mean, I'm not just going to go out crazy. Hall of Famer, top three. Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey coming to you live from Hawaii. What's up, Champ Bailey? Champ Bailey's at the Pro Bowl that used to be in Hawaii, and oh, yeah. uh, now it's not anymore. Anyway, 
Um, not a whole lot of racing this week other than many of the European countries held their national championship cyclocross races. Um, the U.S. canceled their new national championship, so we didn't have one. But um, Belgium had theirs. And take a guess who won the Belgian national cyclocross championship. Woot. Woot. MVP. Yes, he did. Woot. Wout Van Aert. Uh, Woot. Woot. He lined up um, six days after the birth of his first child. Hey, congratulations. And um, he won by like 20 seconds over um, Toon Ertz and Van Hauerhout. I, I butchered that name. <laughs> so, um, Wat Van Aert won the Belgian National Championship. It was his fourth time winning it. Um, I have no idea if the Netherlands had theirs or what other countries had theirs. On the women's side in Belgium, um, on a can't she won she has won like 12 times in a row she's like she's like the belgian katie compton so she's won quite a few times in a row um other than that i didn't see a whole lot of results i am just spitballing this off the top of my head instead of having something in front of me because i'm sitting in a hammock on a beach and i don't care that much (laughs) um what else happened I just a quick question for you on the cyclocross stuff. Do you have to win your national championship or at least podium in order to go to Worlds? How, how does that work out? I, I'm not exactly sure. I think to be at the Worlds, you have to have a number of UCI points. So I think it has to do with UCI points. You gotcha. have to do UCI races, and um, but, but you don't have to win, but I believe you have to be on the podium to make it. Because at the World Championships, there'll be – There'll be like 10 Belgians that line up and like three Americans, right? So obviously it has to do with something to to do with UCI points. Gotcha. Well, I know that I read that um, Claire Hunsinger and Katie Compton were named to the U.S. national team. I'm guessing that's ahead of them going to race at the the Worlds, right? Would that be correct? I think so. And I hope Becca Faringer is going to be there too. She's been racing in Europe um, this whole um, winter. And... There's another one, Katie Keo. I think she's also been racing in Europe. Gotcha. Um, so Katie we'll Keo is a little bit goes. on the younger side, isn't she? She is, but um, she's still been getting decent results. She's been solid. Yeah, she killed it when we had the uh, the championships up in um, what was it, Tacoma? Yeah, back in yes. 2019. Yeah, she crushed. That'd be a real shame if Becca doesn't yeah. make it. She's been working hard over in Europe. Just tough racing over there. Yeah, she has been. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but go back to your. Your report there. Yeah, all That's the all good. all the other sports um, things that happened. Lance, what else? What else happened? Um, let me. There was something else, and I. I got a couple things. If you want to like, oh, think wait, about there it for was a one other thing. There was there was Trek news. You'd be interested in this, um, Matt. Wave cell technology. Um, Trek was named to a five million dollar uh, lawsuit against their wave technology helmet that they oh, have no. been. Um, somebody is claiming that their their safety claims are, are not actually legit. No so, way. Yeah. So there's it's just a private lawsuit at this point. So I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. It's a class so, action lawsuit. It's I don't know if it's necessarily private. There's a, a a slew of people that are jumping on board with that, saying that the uh, their safety claims are completely misleading. That the I, I believe that the technology you know, it helps, but they did a bunch of tests and there's, I can't remember which, I think it was like, uh, 
God, I can't remember what, what university it was that has a, a crash test lab that and they test helmets right. and whatnot. Um, maybe like Virginia Tech or something like that. I think that's what popped into my head. But they're saying yeah. that it was no different than any of the other helmets in terms of the uh, the outcomes that they were getting from the tests that they were doing on those helmets. So, Wow, that's good to know because, I, I mean, that's one of those things where you're like, well, I, I'm not really – Plan on buying a lot of Trek stuff, but that, you know, anything to protect your head seems like a good purchase. Absolutely. So, you know, if MIPS is, you know, normal stuff that we've been wearing is still fine and dandy, then I'll stick with that. And we hope so. Yeah. yeah. And we know their handlebars are rock solid. It's stem. just the stem you got to watch out for, <laughs> right? The stem department. Well, just as long as you don't put your hands on it, Matt, you're fine. So. Yeah. yeah. They're for looking at only, Evan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> do, not, do not touch them. Gotcha. Um, in other news, um, I know there was a bunch of new signings and, and people switching teams, but I don't remember any of them off the top of my head. I'm very distracted right now because there is a, a pot of whales that were just reaching right off the beach in front of us. So That's rough. God, so, I hate you yeah. so much. What do you guys, so everybody, <laughs> what do you guys think me. What do you guys think about um, Mark Hershey leaving Sunweb and going over to UAE with Pojikar? That's okay, actually so a pretty that's big deal. That's actually a pretty big deal. You know, he he had he had a contract that he had signed, um, but you know, obviously it was like a minimum contract. And then he had this phenomenal year this year, where yeah. if there was a breakaway or if there was a roller course, he was like in it. He was the guy. You know, he yeah. he had so many great results. But I, you know, guess who his uh, you know who his agent is is. Um, Who's the other Swiss guy that that uh, you know? Fabian Cancelara. His agent. What? Fabian, Fabian Cancelara. Yeah. Yeah, Cancelara is his agent. Yeah. And I think you know they were able to buy out his contract and uh, move him over to another team for like <clears throat> he was making like fifty thousand francs and now he's going to be making like a million francs. Oh my so gosh! It was. Good on him, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that he, makes yeah. all the sense in the he world. definitely he definitely deserves that. Absolutely, it's a real shame that Sunweb wasn't able to pull together enough money to keep him because Sunweb has a special young, well, had a special young team. Hershey was a huge part of that, yeah. so that's Sunweb's gonna. Str- I mean, struggle without Hershey. He was he was the guy to get in that that breakaway. Yes, absolutely. But you know. Cycling is one of those sports where if you can get paid, you need to get paid. Oh, because, absolutely! Yeah. On him, yeah, good, good for him to go grab that contract. I mean, you could you could hit a stop sign tomorrow and your career could be over. So you you need to you need to strike while you can. Yeah, so. absolutely. And clearly, these teams don't always their riders are replaceable, as you can tell by Remco Evenpool hitting the ground, and the first thought is to get the get the bottle out of his back pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get the finishing bottle out of his pocket. <laughs> exactly. He's fine. Don't check his pulse. All right. And then the uh, 2021 Vuelta a San Juan was canceled. So that's the first big race cancellation of the year that I know of. Oh, wow. Wow. It's wow. kind of a bummer. but yeah. When his, does a tour down under start? Mm, when does that typically start? Is that a February in race? February. That's a like, February race. February, it's it? like the yeah. first week-long, like, well, I guess San Juan. But, I mean, it's yeah. like the first – I, do you think Reputable. they'll? Do you think they'll have that? Nope. I, I'd, I'd be shocked. Yeah, yeah, the Aussies are pretty, uh, pretty yeah. tight with that. So, yep. Anything else there, Champ? Uh, Champ Bailey out <laughs> onto the Mai Tais. <laughs> Evan, you got anything you want to add to that? Anything happening in your triathlon running Pull. world? Um, Eric and Paula are maybe moving to Bend. Matt, that's about all I got. <laughs> They're gonna. Oh, we should try and get 
them on the podcast before they move on. Actually, we might be too late. Yes, for that, we but. I know. I think I think they're already down there. Actually, they're yeah. they're, they're house hunting right now. So yeah. Now, the, and then they're going to Tucson, and by the time they come back from Tucson, it'll be into a new house in Bend. So see you later, guys. Yeah, yeah. You're moving to Bend with everyone else. All the cool kids move into Bend. Nobody likes Portland or Vancouver anymore. Fun times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on from the lead-out news into a little Patreon update. Um, we are... Still not doing the live stream because the hardware still isn't here, but I do have confirmation that I will have it on Thursday. And I think next week, most of us will be back in the studio, question mark? Not me. Nope. Nope. You're gone? I will be out next week. Okay. I got things to do in the clinic. Oh, Mr. Big Time over here. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we'll... Uh, I'll, we'll be, I'll be there. I'll cool. be there cool, for Lance. you. You can take okay. my seat, Lance. We'll give it a shake next yeah. week. We should be able to, to actually roll that thing out. I know we've been saying that we're going to do that. Or not we, I mean me. And uh, we will make sure that we get that thing up and running sooner than later. Um, but thank you to everybody who is a, a patron. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. And oh, yes... Um, we are going to do a drawing for our Patreon next week, and this will be brought to us by Sierra Nevada. They uh, donated a bunch of little goodies for us that we are going to give away. So if you are interested in becoming a Patreon, throw your name in the hat, and we will uh, do that drawing next week. Thank you, Carlos. Yes, thank you, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Carlos. <laughs> All right. So it's, uh, it's that time of the month, right? What do we usually do this time of the month towards the beginning? Little little hot seat thing, yeah. Hot seat. Yep. Music so hot, you gotta listen naked. Oh, Lance, <laughs> stop pushing buttons, Lance. <laughs> hey, the yeah. hot se- the hot seat's back. I think uh, it's it's clothing optional hot seat. Yeah, Lance is sitting on the beach in uh, hammock naked watching whales. So whatever that means. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's go ahead and get it started. Um, Lance, why don't you get us started with your hot seat question for the week? Okay, so my question has to do with with bike maintenance what is your least favorite bike maintenance project that has to be done that you do not like doing who gets to go first any drive chain cleaning not a fan of drive chain cleaning (laughs) what is that Oh, mostly because I don't do it frequently enough, so it's always a massive project whenever I got to do it. If I did it more frequently, it would not be as much of an issue. I've got a good one for you, Lance. Okay, what's that? Changing out my damn bottom bracket. That's um, what that's what I was going to say. And, and Anytime the, you have a press fit bottom bracket, now, yikes. Yeah, well, I don't mind the press fit bottom bracket, but Ugh. the thing is, is I... I choose to use the bottom bracket that comes to us from BB Infinite. I love their stuff. It's fan-freaking-tastic. As a matter of fact, um, they're actually going to come on our podcast here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they've already agreed to do it. We're just trying to sync up our schedules to make that all work. They make some fantastic stuff. They have a, a solid one-piece bottom bracket that you actually press through the shell of the bottom bracket, and it just is rock solid. You get no creaks out of it. it, it their ceramic bearings are like butter. They're just fantastic. However, the process of putting those things in there is so flippin' nerve-wracking that the whole yes. time my whole body and other parts are just clenched up so tight, and the noise that it makes, I'm like, this bike's going to break in half. I, I know it, but they tell you that, it, that that's par for the course, but it still it kills creaks, me every single right? time. It creaks as you tighten it, and you think you're breaking your frame, it right? It creaks and 
pops and cracks, but you're you're not doing any damage to the frame. It's just such a tight fit. The tolerances are so tight, especially on the BMC bottom bracket. And they've even told me like, yeah, those 86.5 shells are like, they're pretty stinking tight. And yeah, sometimes you're just going to get that noise. It's It's normal, but it still kills me every time. I hate that. Yeah. Oh. All right, I got I got another one that I can just switch over from press fit bottom brackets because I just feel like anytime you're pounding on the press fit bottom bracket, you f- I just feel like that you shouldn't have to take a hammer to a bike. Like that seems very weird to me. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, my other least favorite thing is any sort of cable routing on TT bikes Ooh, with stupid yeah. TT bikes. That just drives me crazy. Oh like, yeah, you have to like I I basically like block off like a day and I'm like okay, this is gonna have to route sideways you know basically crimping the cable to turn it where it's supposed to go just to have some sort of weird you know special aerodynamic blah 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 you know it's like fantastic great way to go you did not make this easy on anyone to route this cable whereas a lot of the road bike stuff is just like thread it push it just push the cable and it'll just pop out the other side perfect like no problem doesn't happen on your tt bikes no, it's not quite as bad if you're going to be using the uh, the ETAP stuff just because it's wireless. Yeah, yeah, yeah wireless. There. But you still have to run the hydraulic hoses and, and whatnot yep. if you're doing that or cables if you're that route. And it's just never, it's a never easy process. So I 100% agree with that one too, Matt. That's a good one. Yeah. How about you, Lance? Answer your own question. You know, I, I, um, I hate cleaning my drive chain because it's such a greasy, messy prospect such a nasty project but i it's very satisfying once it's done but it's always a greasy messy don't stain your clothes type of prospect but that's it yeah that's a good one too it's one of those things it's so easy to i think i can say this is so easy to half-ass that and just do it like just oh, yeah. not right. So, and I don't like doing that. So for me, it's like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. But it just takes too long. I mean, you got to pull the cassette off and clean all of the teeth and get all the crap off of there. You got to, you know, make your chain all nice and sparkly. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a little bit of a process. So, yeah, exactly. Cool. That's a good one, Evan. You got a, you got a good hot seat for us. Going into 2021, we are what 11 days into this project. Okay, 11 days into this project. All four of us here coach ourselves. So what is going to be your biggest coaching change for yourself going into 2021? Like your girlfriend, but hotter. That was a hot question, Evan. <laughs> this is... <laughs> These 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 pre safe things are like for like a morning talk radio right now. This That's the like, comedy. <laughs> Come on now, the comedy. <laughs> it's so it's like Cobra Kai on Netflix. It's so bad. It's, like it's Cobra, good. I think I saw the first like three episodes of Cobra Kai. I was planning on watching more, and I and I just forgot to. I think season three recently came out. My wife oh, and I killed it in like three nights. I'm a lot of seasons behind then already. <laughs> Man, week, yeah, but anyway. what a great idea for a show, though, honestly, is like continuing that storyline. What is like 20 years later after? Okay. So real quick question. One more time was what? So we are all self-coached in our past. And 2021, what is going to be the main coaching change you're going to make for yourself in 2021? Ooh, that is a good one. I think Lance is with the whales right now. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to I'll, say. I, I'm happy to start. I'm um, In addition to looking for a good PT... I'm also, you know, considering taking on a coach. Good. Hmm. So someone that knows triathlon, maybe someone that's a pro triathlete, 
Maybe, um, maybe you know, somebody that knows you personally too. It should be somebody somebody that knows, that knows me personally you. and knows yeah. about my injury history. Maybe he skateboards you know, too. Every once someone, in a while, if, if they skateboard occasionally, that That'd would be help. Bonus. That would, yeah. you know, uh, you know, just someone like that, but also someone that just has tons of free time on their hands so that they could coach. <laughs> I think, I think, I think I've got somebody for you. We'll talk. Right. We'll talk good. this week. That's good. How about you, Lance? Um, you know, I've been doing trainer road and I, I really like their process. Um, the, the bad thing about it is if I don't want to do the workout, I just don't do it. I don't have anybody to answer to other than myself. So like there's all these workouts I'm supposed to be doing this week. And then I get on my bike and I'm like, Oh, I want to ride up that 10 mile climb. I'm just going to go do it instead of do the prescribed workout. Um, so I don't know that I'm going to change that a whole lot, <laughs> but I should. I'll leave it at that. I don't know. I think that's a good answer, Lance. It's kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of like what the way things are set up right now. Yeah. Like, stick with it, especially since you had a pretty good year. Cause it, I mean, you didn't race, but you had a good year. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't have a overall. good year. The yeah. results yeah. show that you were undefeated, technically. <laughs> that's right. Well, I did do I did do five that's cross true. races, and I won you four did. of them. Okay, so you so. were four for five. That's a pretty I'm good four year. Four or five. There you go. <laughs> you had about a ninety percent win rate. That's actually eighty percent win rate is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> hey Lance, I got a quick question for you. I think you and I may have talked about this one day when we were putzing around in the lab. Um, I did sign up for Trainer Road. I got a one month free trial, and I plugged in everything that I wanted to do in twenty twenty one. I plugged in how many hours a week I'm available to ride, and all the days I'm available to ride, and and just kind of gave it a, a general idea so that it could go through that process of building me a program. Does your yeah. program look like this? I basically got back a six-day-a-week program. One day a week was a recovery ride, and the other five days, no joke, were all sweet spot training. All of them. Um, early season stuff, um, yeah. before the season really starts, it is very – the base building phase with Trainer Road is very sweet spot-centric. I think it was about two or three months of just that, and that was it. That sounds about right from everything I've seen. They're pretty David notorious and, about yeah. their sweet yeah. spot training. If you listen to their podcast, their podcast is it, very inch. I'm a huge fan of their it's podcast. Good. Yeah, I would not use Trainer Road from my, just it's different in the triathlon world. I, I I wouldn't use it. But I was talking with David pretty in depth about that. I think that you can actually adjust. There's there's little ways you can adjust the plan to where actually they may add. You would just have to adjust when your race goals are. Hmm. If, if you want the plan depends, to look differently. If, if you have it build you a program, it depends on what you put in as the race, as yeah. the goal. Because if it's like a four-hour race where you're not, you know, there's not a whole lot of intensity in the race, then it's going to want you to build sweet spots so that you can, you know, stay with the pack. But if, but if like, if I put in a program for... A one-hour cyclocross race or, or a 50-minute cyclocross race, there's a whole lot more intensity in the yeah. training program, especially in the six weeks leading up to the race than if if I say, oh, I'm going to do a, a four-day stage gravel race in June and just build something for that. So it really depends on the kind of intensity that you put your race goal in for their plan builder. Gotcha. I did input in a, gosh, it was about a two and a half hour to three hour road race. I put in a couple time trials and I put in the Portland short track series. Those were the things that I, I felt were 
going to be realistic that I wanted to kind of focus on. And I was scrolling through the months upon months and it was just, it was like super heavy with sweet spot training. And I, I, I think that there's something to that. I think that that stuff is all fine and well and very beneficial, but, um, I just didn't see a lot of variety there. Well, my problem is, is like if I've got six, five days of sweet spot to do, there's going to be points, especially when I'm outside where I'm actually doing some intensity because yeah. I'm stupid and I'm a squirrel and I end up chasing segments. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the trainer road guys are real similar to Dylan Johnson in the sense that they're, they're really, really big proponents for simplicity and training over, yeah. over variety. That's almost like the anti-Zwift. And this comes into where they have that huge, massive data set and that it just yeah. shows both their like research that they've done as well as their data set. That's like, the sweet stuff, spot, the sweet spot stuff. It's kind of the stuff that works the best at moving your FTP, and you know, at the risk of doing it overboard all the time, you know, they do add a lot of it to their training plan. So the, the beauty of the sweet spot training is you can get a lot of very solid work in without destroying yourself. Yeah, where you can come back the next day and continue to train. Yeah. Where if there is a high intensity day, man, you need a day off after that to yeah. For be for, able for anybody to, listening to this, yeah. by the way, wondering what sweet spot is. Sweet spot is, and this is defined differently depending on what research you look at. But it's basically eighty four to ninety two percent of your your FTP or which is your functional Correct. functional threshold power. So basically, it's eighty four to ninety two percent of what would be your worst day of your entire life over an hour. Just the the, the hardest hour you can ever do. <laughs> But so say, say your FTP is 300, you would do 10 to 15 minute sweet spot intervals at say 260 yeah. or 270 or yeah. Yeah, some, somewhere around there. Yeah. Speaking of Dylan Johnson though, he did come out with a video recently and it was basically all the science behind the polarized training yeah. in comparison versus to, to sweet, spot, versus spot. sweet spot. Yeah. And all of the science leads towards the polarized training being more effective. Ah, that's until you look at the research. But he actually made a good point in there. So there is a point in the video where he says there are some studies pointing to that polarized is beneficial. Mm-hmm. But Dylan does a good job of, of sifting through that and realizing that a few of those polarized studies are literally, there was two of them that he pointed to. One of them was eight runners they looked at. They were all pro runners. Uh-huh. And the other one was eight cat one to two cyclists. Credibly small power. And also what they did is the sweet spot training never went past like, like I think it was like 12 minutes or like Dylan, Dylan kind of poked into one of those studies and was like, oh, they didn't do really effective sweet spot training hmm. to when they didn't extend them out to like 15 to like 20 minutes, like Lance was saying, like those longer sweet spot efforts. Yeah. Uh, Dylan's conclusion from that video, which I like, is because he balances research really well, is you got to look at what's the specificity of what you're looking at. So Jake made a good point. He was like, okay, I put in this big road race, maybe as my A race, and trainer road spits out a mostly sweet spot workout. Instead of if you said, like, hey, I'm only doing East Coast crits this year, it would probably poke out a lot more VO2 work. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's when you're looking at these two different styles of training, it's what are your goals, where are you in your season, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And then that's what spits out, I think, what what fluid percentage you can work with. I really don't like studies that try to point to saying you should only do sweet spot or you should only do polarized. So I think people that coach themselves, that's like the careful choice is like research is going to point to one, research is going to point to the other year by year in, in performance research, whichever you look at. The important thing is realizing I can utilize this research to show me what's an effective way to train polarized and what's an effective way to train 
sweet spot base. And then I can combine those two depending on where I'm in my season. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I um I I do polarize is effective though. Yeah, I do think yeah. it's f- effective. I I use it a lot. I do too. And for the sweet spot stuff, I just I can't do that. I, I can't it's be doing sweet spot. It, yeah. it is. I can't do that five of the six days of the week. Um notably because I, I want to go do the Team Tuesday ride, oh, yeah. and that's just not going to yeah. work there. I or want to go out ride. and ride with the guys on you know Saturday or Sunday and go out and ride 50, 60, 80, 100 miles, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that it's just not going to work in that, that particular setting. But I can kind of tweak things around a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. back off on a certain day, add a little bit more on others, and then plunk in a few sweet spots. And for me, that works all right. Yeah. I think it's more looking at uh, – Chaz Terman has a great video where he's talking about what is a good – you know, like to- think of sweet spot as total time spent in that zone per week. So if we're looking at our weeks, when he was doing his massive base building period, and this guy's insanely fit, but he was doing like six, I think like six to eight hours total mm-hmm. in a week in sweet spot. So if you take, if he was training 20 hours a week, Jake, and you and me are 10 hours on the week on the bike, you would chop that in half and say, okay, as long as Jake is three hours in his sweet spot for a week, that's solid. Now, yeah. whatever you do, if you're system is able to deal with a vo2 ride here and there too then you're sharpening that top end while you're building that base which i actually think is the more effective way like an 80 20 instead of like 100 zero yeah and then you just fluctuate that that percentage for me it's actually closer to probably like a 60 40 right now which is fine because we're in the middle of the off season so you can build your base and sharpen at the same time mm-hmm. i think people sometimes when they look at this they're they're like, what do I need to do right now? And they think of it as like a, an, an indefinite. It's like, oh, I only need to be doing sweet spot right now, or I only need to be doing VO2. I think it's good to balance both. So so if you're coaching yourself, don't be afraid to like, you know, do one VO2 workout a week and maybe two or three sweet spot workouts a week. And then you just adjust that. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, going back to your own question, what about you? Yeah. Uh, my, my biggest thing is I'm being incredibly specific this year. Like my, my training is going to be as honed in as it's ever been. I'm not doing junk volume anymore. Um, I've seen my body respond really well in 2020 to like 18 to 20 hours a week of training instead of trying to be that volume junkie like I have over the last decade. And I think being that volume junkie over the last decade, I can do that now. So I'm actually even capping myself on miles run per week. Um, My runs are going to be really hard and really, really fast. And my bike's going to be the same. I'm going to be between 10 to 12 hours on the bike, and I'm really not going to go over that 12 mark. I'm not going to beat myself up. Um, and in the pool, I'm just being really, really specific again. So, yeah, I think I think for me it was actually shrinking volume down, getting very specific. Um, I am going to try a combination on the bike of training sweet spot while doing VO2 work at the same time. So we're going to see how that more fluid model works. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Kevin, I, I think as, as you're – professional life gets busier i think you you have to get more specific with your oh, training because yeah. you can't just train no i do i do not 30 hours a week yeah i do not have 25 hours in the schedule life. anymore yeah 18 i can work at right now there will come a day where 12 will probably be the mark and then there will come a day where maybe eight's the mark but for right now 18 seems to be good so we're gonna stay there if, it's good yeah, if you have kids that number will go down but yeah. we're not there. Anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh for sure. It's it's going to be around that ten mark. I think at that point. <laughs> awesome. Um, I didn't really answer your question. Um, what am I going to be doing this year? Um, I'm just trying to get back to my old ways. Yeah. My. You're well on your way, man. I think. I think. I. I don't think Jake actually realizes how fit he is right now. Yeah. I've been. I'm watching your your Strava's a flat line right now. 
It's been pretty consistent. Um, you know, I it got in 11 hours last week, and yeah, the week before that it was like 10 and a half. The week before that was 16. I mean, I, that was the the outlier was that 16 hour week, but everything's been yeah. like 10 to 11 hours. It's been pretty consistent. I've been I I kind of I kind of started 2021 prep in November and mm-hmm. got back onto the intermittent fasting, got back onto eating really cleanly, got back onto doing other little things. I've like, engaged some like core training which is something that I've been needing desperately. And in that time period or since then I've lost, gosh, I think it's like 11 pounds and I've got, I can see it on you for sure. I want to get down, probably lose another 11 pounds. Mm -hmm. If I can get there, I think that I'll be in a really good place. I think that, you know, come this summertime, I I honestly don't think there's going to be any racing here this spring. There might be some time trials. I just don't think that there's going to be any road races though. So I, I can kind of toss that out the window for now and who knows what, comes of it you know later on this year but i want to be sharp for that that short track series because that is a blast that during the during the course of a race season that is like one of the highlights um that and cyclocross i don't know if i'll be able to do cyclocross this year because of stupid shoulder reasons but i think i could do the short track stuff and that's where i want to be most fit and if i can get down another Mm -hmm. 10 pounds um in like the upper 170s right around 180 somewhere in there Mm -hmm. i think i'll be i think i'll be sitting pretty i think so for sure it's been and fun then, to watch. Yeah, just getting back to following a regimen, following a routine. It's not going to be uber precise like everything that you guys are doing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I tinkered with and tried the trend road. We already had that conversation about the sweet spot. I think that there's something there. But I'm just building my own programs right now inside of um, trainer uh, Training Peaks. And then mm-hmm. I will put it into um, Zwift or with the outside workouts that I'm doing. And it will get more and more specific as this year goes on. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Very cool. And then Very cool. listening to you guys poke fun at me and... Yeah. <laughs> tell me what I'm doing right and wrong and, and oh, know, yeah. getting embarrassed on certain rides and I'll go back and tweak things and try and, and you know shape those so that that's I can. the beauty of coaching yourself is having somebody tell you you're doing it wrong because we most likely are that, that that's like the <laughs> only thing I know is when you're coaching yourself you're probably doing it 50% right at most yeah <laughs> you know and I probably would engage a coach to coach me but I my schedule's so crazy it's like yeah it, like for you it's well, like you know to how have to coach s- yourself yeah, yeah. it's like but you, if I if somebody were to come in and coach you, Evan, and say you've got to do all oh the stuff, God. you're like oh. you laugh like, dude, have you looked at my schedule? <laughs> oh, I've tried. Well, I mean, the the only coach who has I've ever I've had always people around me who have helped me. This is not a solo project by any means. I've I've made more mistakes in this sport. I would challenge. I've probably made more mistakes in this sport than anybody I know personally. But yeah, uh, Chris Lee from Boulder, uh, my one of my best buds and guy who strength trains the ten man crew out there, is the only person who has actually coached me first. It was the year before I went pro and. Chris, the only reason Chris was able to coach me was because we both have very similar schedules. Yeah. So he was able to know, and he was adaptive enough as a coach to know that, hey, if I did text him and be like, hey, the legs feel good, I'm doing this workout today, he was fine with it. Gotcha. I would be a nightmare for anybody to coach because I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't follow advice very well. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Matt, you ready to throw your hot seat question at us? If you guys are ready for it. You I, feeling, feeling nervous? A little bit. You should. You should. Bit, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Wait for it. Wait for it. Do you guys use it. your heart rate data for anything? I know all all four of us use power data, like pretty much. I wouldn't say daily, but like we use it pretty much on our rides for the most part. We all focus on the power numbers. Do you guys use heart rate for anything in particular? And if so, what? I mean, I know that Lance does. Uh, because he uses a whoop strap and that's looking at HRV and there's looking at some different stuff like that. That is technically a heart rate monitor. Um, but we all wear heart rate monitors on our wrists. Do you use it? Do you use that data for anything? Lance, you want to start? That's a good question. I, I, um, 
I don't pay attention to it other than noticing if I'm fit or not. <laughs> I mean, it's if metric, I'm fit, yeah. my heart rate is 10 beats lower. If it's higher, then I know that I'm not as fit. It also helps me gauge my effort, but you can do that by perceived exertion as well. If I'm like drilling it on a climb or in a race and I look down and my heart rate is 170, I know I'm pegged. I am, I'm 50 years old. And so my max heart rate is like 179 or 178. That's as high as my heart rate will get. And if I'm sitting at 170, I know, you know, I've got five more minutes and I'm going to blow. So that's, that's about as much as I pay attention to it. Um, I do use the whoop strap. Um, I have for a couple of years now. I love having the, the morning sleep data. Um, I, I, as far as heart rate goes, it's a wrist based heart rate and it's consistently 10 beats higher than I think it should be, or than I think it actually is compared to my, my chest strap. So I don't pay attention to its heart rate numbers different than heart rate variability numbers. You can't really measure that with the chest strap or they don't measure it with the chest strap. I'm droning on and I don't know what my thought is headed towards. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, you absolutely. can measure your heart rate variability with a chest strap. Um, I'm thinking like the Polar H10, but I also think that it's the software on top of the, the heart rate information, yeah. right? Like, and you're not wearing a chest strap to sleep in, are you? No. Right. None of us are. No. No, I could not do that. There'd be no way. I yeah. used to do it just occasionally yep. just to kind of get what my resting heart rate was, and I freaking yeah. hated it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh. Gotcha. That's a good uh, good one, Lance. Um, how about you, Evan? Um, so I I actually use it as a, as a data point for my runs, but I use it as a post data point. Um, I, I kind of, I, I used to actually track heart rate on the bike too. Um, for bike now, I just use wattage, but, um, on the run, I will use heart rate. My optical heart rate has been garbage lately. So like, I think my average heart rate on Sunday in that race was like 140, which is not true. It okay. was for sure way right. higher, but that's, yeah. Yeah. So the video that I'm working on, and one of the reasons I asked you guys this question is is talking, the first video, this is going to be a, a couple, well, at least two videos. The first video is going to be talking about like optical heart rates, you know, chest straps and where you wear your optical heart rate and all how, how important that is and getting accurate data. So Price, you might want to watch that video and um, oh, I, I wouldn't will. necessarily throw your specific watch under the bus, but you might want to throw optical heart rates that are risk-based under the bus. So. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I've actually even with, um, so with coaching right now, I'm having the athletes I'm coaching do, uh, I like for running to have a heart rate test where basically I want somebody to hang in a certain range and I like to see whether, where their RPE and where their pace is in that range. Mm-hmm. I like to do them for that, them to do that for a couple of weeks so we can get an idea of where actually their true like base running pace is. Yeah. Before and I like using heart rate for that. So honestly, I'm gonna probably, especially this week, suggest that they all use the chest strap. I've been yeah. I've been chest pretty against or... I've been pretty against using optical heart rate as an actual data point for a bit, so ju- just because my watches is so bad. But yeah, I think also you know they're all gonna have all those athletes are gonna have different watches and different. Some of them will be okay, and it also yeah. depends a lot on like how tight they're wearing them and all this stuff. And yeah. so and then even even know. beyond that too, as you 
running is really interesting because you'll get yep. very different heart rate responses depending on the person. Yep. So I know I know people who can run pretty comfortably at like in the 160s. If I'm yeah. in the 160s, I am working running. Like I'm, yeah. I'm working very hard in the 160s. Um, I know others that, I mean, like I, I always use Lionel, uh, Lionel Sanders as an example, but he's just such an outlier. He's a cool example. Yeah. That his like running max heart rate's like 148. Which it's, so, some people's jogging pace is 140. Like if they just started running, they're at 148 already. His yep, like that's 5K like yeah. TT is like 148. So huh. just just that's why I like to do that test is because you can look at heart rate data, but also understand that th- that that is very dependent on the person's run economy and also just how their aerobic system yeah. works. So it's it's and, a completely individualized number. And, you know, you have a lot of bouncing with running, and so that's yeah. very hard for optical heart rate monitors that are on your wrist. And then Jake and I have talked about this before too, where it's like. When you're, for some reason, when we're on our bikes and we have a, you know, I wouldn't call it a death grip. Usually we have a pretty loose grip on the handlebars and things like that. But for some reason that, you know, position or whatever it is, I typically get very bad heart rate readings when I'm, you know, on the bike. So from the wrist anyway. Yeah. That's good. I like Um, it. For me, I really like to, I don't use that as a main metric, but I always like to use it as something to kind of quantify where my fitness is at or how my body is doing in general. Um, I will more times than not, when I'm doing any kind of a structured program, that's got some like intensity or some intervals in it. I like to look at the heart rate numbers in comparison Mm -hmm. to my, um, power numbers. Um, and then look at multiple rides. And then if I start to see people calling me and Gosh, darn it. We're just asking about your heart rate. (laughs) Exactly. And if I see during those interval sets or if there's interval sets that are kind of close to the same that I'm doing week over week, if I start to notice that my power numbers stay the same and my heart rate starting to come down a little bit, I know that I'm getting closer to needing to retest so that I can go back and Mm -hmm. figure out what my FTP is because it's probably grown. Um, The other thing that I like to look at as well is after big efforts, I like to look at my heart rate um, from sleep during the sleep time, what my resting heart rate is. And if I'm starting to get sick too i'll definitely pay attention to it there just to kind of see where i'm at yeah also heart rate data is very important so for cycling in in sweet spot training very very important in sweet spot training if you're looking um uh, david goodman just had a great example he had just had a massive fitness build lately and did god i'm gonna get his workout wrong here i think it was like three by 20 it was some ridiculous sweet spot workout like three by 20 minutes at 90 percent. something that just makes me want to vomit even thinking about it but um he got through that, and actually, he was having a, a cardiac drift ne- uh, mm-hmm. a negative response, where he was actually starting to drop as the sets weird. were going on. Now it was a subtle drop, but that is, in my opinion, still unusual. It, it's a little unusual, but uh, after watching a couple of videos and talking about this from physiological standpoint, that's mm-hmm. a really good sign of fitness, unless yeah. the power's dropping significantly. Well, no, I mean, like cardiac drift is by definition, like you're keeping the same power and your heart rate starts to rise. Right. So, yes, you know, so 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 that's a a great tool for that. And yeah, it's interesting that all four of us said yes to using heart rate, even though we all kind of said kind of yes, it's it's not our main metric. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is it's it's a metric. It's, It's a tool in your tool belt. You should never have one tool in your tool belt. Yeah. And RPE needs to be a tool. Whenever people say like, oh, well, I only have mm-hmm. access to an optical heart rate monitor. That's fine. You really yeah. don't even need a power meter or pace on the run to get fast. I know that's shocking in today's world to think about. Yeah, but there was a true. time period where Matt had to get on MapQuest 
and figure out how far he ran or the odometer in his car and then run the loop and be like, that felt like seven pace. And somehow he got fast off that. Matt was a low 30s 10Ker. So and we that's exactly <laughs> what we did. If you really wanted to know, you would drive the route with your car. <laughs> and then look and then, and then look at the, the microwave clock when you leave. And yes. then you'd sprint out, come back, and then look at the microwave clock right when you get back and be like, okay, today was a good day. <laughs> and then <laughs> you'd funny. write in your agenda how far you went and roughly what the time yep. was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was that's the thing, is like we all I just estimated miles. I was like, well, you and you kind of try to be a little you know, cautious with it. You're like, well, seven minute pace, you know, we ran for 50 minutes, you know, it's about seven miles or whatever. And then you put down seven miles. Right. And yeah. it's like, that was probably seven and a half or eight miles, but like, you don't worry about it because you know, that's, you know, nothing was exact. It was like, or you buy a GPS watch, which was no one had back then. So no, I think it's, I think with all these metrics now, it is. I, I I still love endurance sports for still the soul of it, which is at the end of the day, fitness and speed are built through your own perception of the pain you're going through. You get comfortable with that pain. You know what you can push through. And if those metrics help you in assessing that, that's good. But if the metrics paralyze you and if the metrics actually, in my opinion, hamper those top end efforts then they're, they, they, they don't need to be used as frequent. You know, um, in, in right. that video that uh, Jake was mentioning, that Dylan Johnson video where he was comparing the um, – actually, this was a video after that, my bad. He was talking about the best, quote-unquote, VO2 max workouts. And he just looked at research, but he said the, what, one of my favorite things with him is he tells people when they're doing a VO2 max effort, unless you're on erg mode, you shouldn't really be looking at the actual numbers. He was saying, you need to be going purely by feel. So if it is a four by four minute VO2 max effort, he's like, make it hurt really bad for four minutes. You get a sense then of yeah. what that actually is. Now, if you only get through two, through two or three and you're like, wow, that was a little bit too much, or you get through four and you're like, wow, that must have felt harder. You learn a really, really valuable lesson there on what your brain's perception of your max is. If right. you're always looking at numbers, I think that hampers that that process or that decision making and we make our we make our track athletes take their watch off for yeah, a lot of the i workouts. love that no it's watch like, runs yeah yeah i mean you don't well they're on the track we will give them we're sitting there with our time we will give them they don't need to be looking down at their watch when they're running a 200 meter sprint no, like no. you should be focusing on racing <laughs> or you know running at the time like don't look at your watch so yeah. that's something we hammer home um for sure and i just think you know, we did it so long without all this tech stuff. I get asked this question a lot because it's like, oh, you're the tech guy. You review all these watches. And I'm like, but when I was fast, we didn't have any of this stuff. <laughs> and somehow and so you still got kind of not I'm, somehow you know, as, still much happened. As, as much as we promote it. I'm like not a believer. Right. So, yep. yep. There's that. Hmm. Good stuff. There's my one good stuff for the show. There you go. All right. I think it's my turn. All right, guys. You ready for this one? How do you guys choose and test the tires that you put on your bikes? Seriously, how do you? All right, do you, I'll go first. Go. Um, I look at a little bit of research, looking at like what's you know fast and what's durable. So fast is really kind of looking at like rolling resistance numbers. There are aerodynamic advantages of certain tires. Um, I don't know. I think rolling resistance is probably a better metric when you're looking at tires. 
Uh, and so there's only, you know, yet, I mean, really any of the tires in the top 10 are going to be excellent choices. Uh, but from there you look at those and you're like, okay, which ones are durable? Which ones have I had bad experiences with? Which again, that might not be, (laughs) that might not be a good way to choose tires because it's like, those are just luck of the draws, right? Like I could have the perfect tire for me. And then all of a sudden I'm on a pile of glass all the time. And I'm like, oh, these tires are horrible. I happen to have a flat one day with this particular tire brand. And that would be Vittoria. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Continental, you know, GP5000s, for example, I've just had great luck with. And again, you know, that's a, not a good metric to use. Like, how much luck did you have with the tire? That's not very scientific. Um, but dang, man, they work. All of, our, all of us talk about that tire and we think it works. So we have our little, you know, reinforcement echo chamber saying, yep, 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 that's a good tire. Uh, it does have good durability. It has good rolling resistance. Um, and so I think a lot of us, you know, if we want to choose something, that's something that's worth thinking about. So where do you go to check the rolling resistance testing? Is there a particular website or particular company that you go to? Um, I would have, I'd have to look up the website real quick and I can do that. But, um, there is a guy that basically does all the testing himself and, um, it's might be bikeblather.com, something like that. I'll, I'll look it up and it's, it might be bikeblather.blogspot.com or something like that. I'll look it up while, you know, someone else tackles it, but they'll, they'll, he'll have his metrics in the top 10. And so I you, know the Vittoria Corsa speed tests the best, but man, I just have a lot of flats with that tire. So, yeah. Um, does he give his protocol in terms of how he's testing this and how he's deriving what the rolling resistance are? Yeah. So the way he tests stuff is he puts it on, you know, um, a specific type of drum that does have some, uh, bumps and things like that. And then specific tire pressure. And then, you know, you talk about different widths of tires as well. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so he has a protocol that he uses to test stuff and then he compares tires on rolling resistance. Good. I'd, uh, yeah, and there's numerical values. That's okay, like, you cool. know, This is this number. And, okay, yeah. so the second part to that question is, is how do you personally test your tires to know that, like, all right, these guys aren't just blowing smoke at me and this site is legit. How, how do you go out there and test your tires to know that they're all that in a bag of chips? I taste them, and I just, <laughs> yep, that tastes, that tastes like a fast tire. Or like a chip. Um, no, that's the thing is, like, you have to, like, I don't have a testing protocol for testing rolling resistance i you know and i don't know that it would be i mean i could build something right uh that would test that and i just have to either i don't think you can trust the manufacturers necessarily because it seems like every tire says they're the fastest tire Um, i think you want like third party you know someone that's not making a profit by saying certain tires are faster than others So, so independent third party Let's say that like, somebody came to you, like Lance came to you and said, you got to try this tire. It's fantastic. I love it. And you've gone yep. to this website and it's like, just like a, eh, like it's so-so. I mean, who are you going to, who are you going to lean towards? Like, are you going to trust Lance or are you going <laughs> to, you funny. Gonna... <laughs> trust Lance. Why would I ever trust Lance? Or are you going to go your own? own... I, have a, I have a mustache that makes me trustworthy. It, yeah. Yes. That's the, that's the Only mustache tires, that looks though. like he's trying to sabotage. <laughs> I, um, I do trust, uh, my friends and, uh, and there's definitely like, I think there's a lot of situations where in particular, I'm thinking of cyclocross where it's like, oh man, I don't know. Like there are just slightly different brands for cyclocross. And I think that, 
you know, I would ask Lance, like, hey, you've tried, you've used a whole bunch of tires for cyclocross. Um, what do you like for a muddy day? What do you like for, you know, another type of conditions? Um, and I would trust that because it's not a, just a numerical value. Like rolling resistance is just kind of like a number. Like this is 0 0.178 for this tire. Like, okay, the next one is this number. Um, and that's great and all, but like that doesn't tell you a lot about durability. It doesn't tell you a lot about like grip on different surfaces. Um, there, there's just more information that you need for a tire. And yeah, leaning on your friends that have raced in those conditions and have had bad experiences and good experiences with certain tires is huge. So, um, you know, I think it depends on the type of race that you're doing. If you're doing a time trial or let's say you're doing it on the track, right? Like you're, you're racing your bike on the track where, you know, there's not going to be glass, you know, there's going to be very great smooth conditions then you may want to just look at the numbers and not trust Lance because it's got an evil mustache. Um, whereas <laughs> if you see a guy with a mustache like Lance's and he's on a cyclocross course, well, then that's slightly different. You know, you <laughs> might want something different. You're not at the track anymore. And uh, at that point, you know, I might go with Lance's suggestion. All right. Good points. How about you, Lance? Um, I generally buy what's on sale and what's going to work with my rims, period. Or... <laughs> Or what's in the shop. <laughs> gotcha. How do you go with the testing process, though? I, you know, it's, I put them on the bike and I ride them and see what they feel like. And that's about it. Or how difficult they are to put on. Or do they just feel faster? Or do they corner well? Or are they gripping good? You know, um, I guess I don't really have a process. And I go through lots of tires every year. So... Um, I guess I, you know, I have my favorites like the Continental 5000 tubeless. Those are like a favorite pair of mine. Um, I, I like those tires a lot. So I have gone through lots of them. Gotcha. How about off-road stuff though? That's a, that's kind of, that's a little bit more tricky because uh, it's just dependent upon like the, the terrain. It's dependent upon the time of the year and the, the precipitation and just yes. so many different factors. And now that we've got the likes of like Cush core and uh, the Vittoria tire insert and things of that nature, I think that the, the tires performance really starts to change quite a bit when you start acting or adding in all of these different factors. So it becomes pretty difficult and it can be quite expensive if you want to start rifling through a bunch of different tires to find the one that works best for you. There's, there's so many different ty types and kinds of tires that it's, very difficult to know what to get uh with mountain bikes there's downhill tires compared to cross-country tires there's mud shedding tires compared to you know file treads it's the same with cyclocross some tires shed mud really well and do well in the mud and some don't um in, in those types of situations i turn to look towards trusted pros and what they're using yeah that's a good I, point know, right there I, you know, they're uh, like, um, Casey McKelvin is a mountain biker that I follow and he does cross country type mountain biking and he braces gravel. And I would, um, I, I, I would wonder what kind of tires he's using. However, he has sponsors. That was so my next question. Be, yep. Yeah. He's going to be, you know, sponsorship, you know, loyal. Um, I, I would then ask like, the, the local really fast guys that I know who I know don't have sponsorships and say, what, what do you like? Or 
I'm at a race. I just look at their bike. What are you, what are you racing? You know? So I, I, it's tires are tricky. It's, it's much more difficult off road because there's so many different types and kinds than it is on the road. But I kind of get the sense too, for off road that people have much stronger feelings about the tire that they use and why. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's kind of tough because (laughs) people are so biased and everybody has an opinion and it's just like, all right, well let's kind of boil this down and figure out what's going to work best. And you kind of do have to just kind of go out there and experience it for yourself. Right. So how about you, Evan? I wait for Matt's video to come out. (laughs) That's about it. Well, my cyclocross video is probably a long ways from coming out. So I think I think me racing cyclocross is a long ways out too, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> All right, I think that that's enough tire talk. All right, let's do one last thing real quick. I know Evan's got to get out of here. I'm gonna let him go first. Evan, one last thing. Um, I have uh, a, a bike computer now, which is super exciting, and Whoa. I and I learned how to link <laughs> it up to Strava segments. Whoa! But I, I, I had a premature celebration on Sunday, so I was going after Dustin's Blake's TT course, which is one that I do frequently. It's just along the waterfront, out to a roundabout and back. It's like a ten-minute VO2 effort or whatever. And I didn't realize that the Strava segment is comparing your time to your previous PR. So it was telling me I was like a minute ahead of my previous PR, not Dustin. So I cruise in that last minute, way overconfident that I got the KOM in the bag. Come across, David asked me, he's like, did you get it? I was like, oh yeah, smoked him by a minute. I was ready to send Dustin a text and be like, shots fired, man. Like, you know, get on my level or whatever. <laughs> Lost him by two seconds. <laughs> Not happy about that. This is why you need to research your Strava KOM sections and know what time you're actually going after. Well, you know that you can change well, the settings so you're chasing the KOM and not your PR. This is also what David told me last time. So yeah, yeah I think I need to make that. I need to make that shift because I thought I had that one in the bag for sure. World watch out. This is oh man. So so now I can actually track it. Yeah. Say again, Evan or Lance. I was just saying, I, I left a little note for Evan on his new computer before he got it. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got, I got your your note. It was a, it was a coaching note that that Lance gave me there. A motivation. You're talking thing. about like your your gel or something like that, or your goo. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Did you put it on his computer somehow, or he duct taped it to I the knew back? The computer was yeah. Going to Evan. So I, I wrote a little tiny. Thank note God it was going it. to me, and that didn't get like shipped off to somebody else. <laughs> Because I wrote, I wrote, suck it, Evan, and put it on the back of his little computer. I was hoping that you had, like, pulled the computer out and, like, changed it as his, like, home screen or something like that. Oh, so that, that would like, have been awesome. That the would time. have been funny. That, that would have been very no funny. no way that he'd be able to change it back. Oh, so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I, was go- I was so proud that I synced it. I was just pumped that I synced it and that I had Strava. And then it's funny. So I go on this ride with Dave and I'm telling him, I'm like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I got like the Strava segments on here. And he's asked me all these questions that, of course, if you knew anything about computers, you wouldn't even ask. He's like, well, well, did you sync it? And I was like, yeah, 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 I synced it. He's like, okay, so you saved the segments too, right? That's how little faith anybody who knows me has in any time that I get excited about like, oh, yeah, I uploaded this. They're like, well, do you know what that means? I'm like, but barely. Yeah. <laughs> no, David, David knows you well, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I did, as far as my backpedal goes, I did get to hang out with David Goodman because he was looking at houses in my neighborhood and he stopped by and we talked for like an hour, which was probably the highlight of the week for sure. Oh, that's cool. It was super nice. Excellent. Welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Matt, one last thing for you, buddy. 
Um, okay, so the reason I asked you guys about heart rate stuff was because that's the video that I'm working on. I'm going to work on like a heart rate technology type video where I look at all those things and then I'm probably do another like watch review or, you know, maybe something else that's fun. Uh, but then later on, I'm going to do like a heart rate shootout where I look at all these different heart rate, you know, wearable heart rate companies, you know, like Wahoo, like Garmin. Um, like Polar, all these different brands and kind of even look at some of the cheap stuff that you can get on Amazon and see if that stuff is, you know, worthwhile because it might be. I don't know yet. I haven't done the testing. Um, so that'll be another video that'll come out in a couple weeks. So quite a few videos just kind of talking about heart rate stuff. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And I just want to have the data out there so that when we, you know, when we talk about some other watch or whatever, and we talk about the heart rate stuff, there'll be the information there that if people are really curious about it, um, what does it all mean and why should we not take it too seriously? Cool. Yep. Mr. Hapler. Um, I'm just going to ride bikes in tropical paradise and sit on the beach in hammocks and maybe paddleboard. I've, um, I don't want to rub it in any more than I already have. <laughs> what do you got planned for the rest of the day? Um, I already rode like 30 miles this morning, um, so I'm just gonna kind of uh, chill with my feet up. I think. Excellent. So. Cool. Well, it sounds like you're gonna have a good time, and gonna take any more KOMs while you're out there. I don't know. I got one this morning um, <laughs> on some random side road here up near Wakaloa, and uh, I doubt it because there are some hitters that ride out here all the time. Yeah, somebody got the uh-oh email, and they're like, ah, somehow they stole my KOM. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, my one last thing is going to be just one one last thing, believe it or not. Um, come join us on the Dial Tuesday Night Ride. They're uh, Tuesday nights at 6.30. Um, this will come out the day after we do the one this week, but it's open to anybody. All you have to do is join the Dialed Cycling Club page on Strava, and if you um, RSVP the ride that we put out every single week, um, you'll get an invite to that, and we'll you know connect on on uh, on Zwift, and you'll get the ride invite to come to that. This past week, I was blown away. I went back and looked. I think that there was 32 or 34 people that were there that were part of the actual meetup, and there was about another eight or 10 people there that weren't a part of the meetup, but just joined at certain points in time or just didn't get the meetup or something to that effect. But we had over 40 people show up to that ride, which was kind of nuts, which was really neat. And it's kind of fun watching new people come out and ride and getting to know new people and just kind of pushing the envelope a little bit more on everybody. So thank you to everybody who's been coming out to that. Jake, are you still doing a uh, Bikes for Kids thing? It, or is it still something that we can donate to if we haven't quite got there yet? 100% yes. Um, we will be running the Bikes for Kids thing. Uh, gosh, probably until – my goal was spring break. I, there's just no bikes out there to purchase right now. Um, although right. I did get an email from Cannondale that they have, like, some emergency batches of bikes that might be coming in this summer and that we're supposed to place our order. And I think that on that list were some bikes that we could do for the kids we wanted to work with. So there's a good chance that I'll be able to place the order for those bikes. But, again, it's all going to be kind of predicated on how much money we raise. And the goal was $10,000. I think we're – gosh – between three and four thousand, if I'm not mistaken, and we do have a GoFundMe page that I can post up on the uh, the old Facebook page again for the Dial Podcast. If anybody wants to contribute to that, and it doesn't have to be a lot. If it's just five or ten bucks, um, if we have enough people that do five or ten bucks, we can definitely make that a pretty large sum of money. But we will definitely be keeping the the GoFundMe open. We'll be um, 
you know, taking, you know, people have written us checks, people have dropped off cash. Uh, some people actually will use the team's, um, Venmo account, which is actually free. And that's kind of nice because that saves us, I think, oh, 3%, yeah. 3%. And it all goes into that account. And 100% of that money will go to buying bikes for kids and helmets yeah. and locks and whatnot. And the next question is, I know that you also have that coffee stuff going on too. And that's money going towards the same project, right? Yes. So Tangent uh, Coffee Roasters, uh, local coffee company here, have uh, we've teamed up with them and they've uh, been providing us with all kinds of coffee and we we buy it at the wholesale cost and then we sell it at their normal retail price and then a hundred percent of the proceeds go to the bikes for kids so I think it ends up being about five bucks a bag and um, yeah it, it's good and we don't know too. about decaf yet it's still not um, actually one of those phone calls that came through while we were all talking was from oh, them okay. so as soon as I and we're done here. I'll give them a, a shout back and we'll ask about the decaf because I know that that's something you're jonesing for, right? That's right. Well, Got to get it. Got to yep. get it now. Yep. Thanks for bringing that up, Matt. Appreciate that. Sure. Anyth- anything else, fellas? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> Lance is out there hanging out with the birds chirping and whatnot. Living so. the dream, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. As always, we really appreciate you all listening. If you want to be uh, in that Patreon drawing that's coming up and in future drawings or if you want to help support the show, go to dotpodcast.com and you can click on the patreon link there where you can choose a patreon that works best for you uh thank you again to all of our patrons we uh really super greatly appreciate that it really helps out a lot so we will see everybody next week thanks for listening hopefully we'll be live streaming and uh yeah thanks bye for now bye